Just downloaded Zero Hour and Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, fantastic. Don't read them in that order, though. Go Crisis on Infinite Earths. <laughs> yeah, you'll then, be really confused. Then Zero Hour Crisis yeah. in Time, for sure. Um, but hey, uh, yeah, so here we are. This is uh, this week's episode of Comics Paradox. I am Brandon Powers, a.k.a. Powerful Brandon, a.k.a. Powers. Uh, tonight I am joined, as always, by Mr. Leo Pond. Say hi to everybody. Hello. There we go. Yep, that's right. It's a, it's also an audio medium, so we want to make sure that we speak the words out loud. And uh, uh, also joining us is the ever-illustrious Justin Cooper. Say hello. Audio, you say? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> How you Ooh. I've heard that some of your viewers and listeners have ears. Oh. It's the lady. <laughs> uh, and uh, tonight, as we do uh, in every episode, we are going to be talking about uh, an alternate reality tale. Uh, at, we cover all kinds of stuff. What ifs, Elseworlds, we'll be getting into story arcs like Age of Apocalypse or Tangent Comics, Amalgam Comics. Uh, this week, we are going to be reading... Uh, Volume 2, issue number 30 of What If, and that is What If the Fantastic Four's Second Child Had Lived. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. It's actually a bit of a twofer. There's uh, two stories in one here. Uh, as you can see on the cover, it's a giant-sized special right underneath the giant-sized cranium of Uatu the Watcher. And, uh, you know, this was this is my way of saying I'm really sorry about the last episode <laughs> because uh, we covered the uh, Volume 1 issue, What If Jane Foster Had Possessed the Hammer of Thor, uh, sort of in celebration of the fact that Thor Love and Thunder uh, had a trailer release and it's going to be coming out and all the excitement built up around it. Jane uh, shows up in the trailer uh, portrayed by Natalie Portman and it just looks like it could be a really cool, fun movie. Uh, and then we read the What If 
that kind of went along the same lines. And uh, it was um, absolutely horrible. It was it was just filled with all kinds of um, Asgardian misogyny, King. In yeah. <laughs> in a in a in a two eyed Odin at that. I, I that was one of the more perplexing things about it, uh, and easily one of the least important too. Uh, <laughs> but just yet, yet equally as confusing. <laughs> yes, just very confusing, but not even worth the time to spend pondering it because everything else was just bass backwards. It was, I mean, to thought. Odin just lost his mind when he found out that a, 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 a you know a being with a vagina picked up Thor's hammer, and uh, he's just like, "What? I cannot have a woman be my son. She cannot possess the power of Thor. Why is that? Be, 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 because girls are icky. All right, Odin. I, I feel like he like would something. have been equally as surprised watching the movie Air Bud. A dog playing basketball? <laughs> what? <Preposterous. laughs> this is this is ridiculous, and I don't subscribe to these ideas at all. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we just tore apart the issue the entire time. <laughs> and, I mean, I hope it was fun for everyone to hear how much we clearly did not enjoy it. Um, but this is a this is a much I think much better issue altogether. Um, we have we have some nice balance to this. Uh, like I said, it's two stories, uh, one dark, one light, um, and it covers the birth of the daughter of Reed Richards and Sue Storm, <clears throat> who for a very long time in the comic books uh, died. She she had died in childbirth. Uh, and that has since been changed. Uh, she is now very much alive and about 14 years old to Franklin's 16, I believe. I she got has a no bio for her afterwards. If you like. <clears throat> oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, her name is uh, Valeria, named after Victor Von Doom's uh, uh, dead mother. Uh, I believe that it's been retconned that doom did end up helping deliver her. And that's like his payment for assisting the Richards was, Oh, name her after my mother. Um, but she doesn't have any powers like her brother, Franklin or her uncle and parents and Ben Grimm and what have you. But she is a super genius intellect, just like her father Reed. Uh, so doesn't have any, physical abilities that we know of at this point, but man, oh man, is she a smarty pants. And, uh, you know, we, we go through and check this all out and we have, uh, you know, our usual big domed watcher getting ready to say like, Oh, look, you know that this happened in your reality where the baby died and that sucked, didn't it? But here we're going to take a look at what had happened if the invisible woman had her second child, um, they do the usual uh, editorial remarks where they, they let you know um, who Reed Richards had seeked out in previous, um, you know, mainstream continuity in Fantastic Four number 267. Uh, he had attempted to uh, get Dr. Octopus to help him, but Sue, uh, unfortunately, had a miscarriage. Uh, and that's that's where we left it. <clears throat> but I didn't look, think he was that kind of doctor. Honestly, 
I guess if you just have Doctor in front of your name in Marvel Comics, it means you yeah. can do pretty much anything. That's like uh, Doctor Peter Corbeau from uh, X Men, who is like a, a he's like a scientist, doctor, astronaut. Yeah. So yeah. I, why I, I not? Why yeah, wouldn't you, you be? Know. Surprised they didn't call in Bruce Banner to deliver the kid. They. Uh, well, he's yeah, probably we, on the run from the government. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, give it a couple you know, panels and then ask that again. <laughs> right. And while we're, you know, we're going through and we see in this one, um, you know, Sue has the baby and, um, you know, pretty much right away, Franklin's just kind of like, there's something weird about this. I don't feel good. And, you know, he's watching his mother around the developing child and, uh, you know, she's, she's just not, not doing great. And they get her to the hospital and she dies and uh you know the the baby lives and um you did you know, see in that panel um Dr. Bruce Banner uh Dr. Carl uh, Lankowski <clears throat> who is um he is uh, Sasquatch from uh Alpha oh, Flight yeah. and then you've got uh, is uh that Morbius? Dr. Morbius as well yep oh uh, yeah look at the nose I could that creepy right? uh looks like Kevin Bacon yeah, yeah kind um, of a little bit I always thought Kevin Bacon would have been the perfect person to play Michael Morbius. I mean, the the like less amount of makeup, the better. Um, yeah, it says yeah. Uh, doctors uh, Richard Banner, Morbius, and Langkowski. Yeah, I, I missed that. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't have made the comment earlier. But uh, yeah, so Sue dies, and uh, Reed Richards, surprising anybody who's ever read a fucking Fantastic Four comic before this, what if? Yeah. Uh takes to being, you know, like Mr. Mom. Like he he dotes on the baby and you know is really caring. And Franklin all the while is just like seeing how she's got like kind of everyone enthralled and thinks she's the hottest thing since bread first came out of the oven. And uh he's watching his auntie Alicia, uh Ben's wife, just uh, Johnny's wife. Johnny's wife. I'm sorry. Isn't Johnny's that crazy. Wife I know. I know. Guys, that really blew my mind. Out. I was like, wait a minute. I'm yeah, like, Johnny. No these guys fight so. Johnny's much. wife, Alicia, who you know was previously Alicia Masters, um, she's been wasting away to nothing, and it results in her her passing away. They it shows them attending her funeral, and uh, you know Franklin's been telling people that he's been having dreams about the the baby and you know, how people were dying and nobody's listening to him. And he's like, I don't get it. You all listened to my dreams before. What, what's different? Like, Hey, I'm Franklin. Remember I got crazy brain powers. And they're like, sure, sure, kid, shut up. We're, we're playing with the baby. And how uh, awesome is that panel in the bottom uh, right-hand corner there with like him and he's looking across his father at her who's staring on at Alicia's uh, 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 casket and all that. That is just so cinematic. It's yeah. It, it reminded me of the Omen. It, exactly. It, the, exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, this is this is you know the Richard Donner Omen movie. Yeah, she is you know? very much Damien in that in that panel, and uh, you know we we move along and Franklin is seeing that his uncle Johnny is now wasting away, and uh, you know he tries to tell his father and Reed just like wheels around on young Franklin. He's like, you're just jealous of the baby. You've always been jealous and. You know, you know, he's like, dude, what are you insane? Like this six year old girl is like killing everybody. And, um, 
he's trying to point out and say like look at all these people that you went to school with they're all like dying of this illness and nobody's doing anything and reed proceeds to slap franklin right across his face and uh you know it's he's just insistent and in denial that the reason that they're dying is because of the excess cosmic radiation that they absorbed when they were out in space and uh you know we see we see uh little Susie, as the daughter has been named by reed uh you know she's palling up to her uncle ben and she's like you don't think i'm a monster do you and he's like no i'm the only monster in this family kiddo and you get to about half a year later and ben is back to human form uh you know he's like i guess all that cosmic radiation must have worn off you know hey, hey look at me and he, he goes out in his tux and he's with a pretty lady and some guy rolls up on him. He's like, Hey, remember me? You sent me to jail when you were orange brick, you dickhead. And he shoots him, pumps him full of more lead than a fucking number two pencil. And, uh, that is pretty much the end of the thing because while he's in the hospital trying to recover, little Susie insists on seeing him by herself. And no sooner does she go in than her eyes glow red and boom, Uncle Benji is dead. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if that if that weren't enough, it just drives Franklin somehow on his own <laughs> to Latveria. And uh, he is seeking out the help of Dr. Victor Von Doom. Yeah, he uh, is in all business here. <laughs> so yeah, we, we get another uh, slap for the kid oh yeah that's right another another he's getting the slap slap of defiance yeah i think that's the one time you see uh mr fantastic use his powers too like in this book oh maybe yeah i didn't even think of that yeah it's uh it's you know oh no no because he he uh comes up against uh doom and oh uh, yeah okay that's right yeah uh that's but i will say all business i mean franklin goes to to doom and says like this is what's happening like she's just like draining energy and doom's like so she's kind of like a succubus and franklin's like i mean kind of she does like drain the life out of people you know if you know like the definition of a succubus they do that but it's usually through sex so that is not the case here she's just a parasite essentially and um i will give doom this much he's like uh i need evidence show me what you got and i'll make a a determination he didn't just go, okay, I believe you, kid. Let me do something about it. You know, so Dude there's still so that, like... friggin' cool, though. I mean, he's just sitting there listening to the, the child of his greatest enemy go on about how his father's being a dick and all that. He's sitting there cool as a cucumber. He's like, so you think you have a succubus? That is a cool dude, man. Yeah, Who well, you know, shit? one thing you can say about Doctor Doom in a lot of the Fantastic Four stories is... Especially when it involved like Reed and Sue's kid or kids, is Victor was never really bad to those kids, you know. Even even like currently, he like he actually like really cares for in a his own way. He cares for uh, Valeria. He is so complex. One one because she is his mother's namesake, Mm -hmm. but and and he helped bring her into the world. But also just like, even though he is has such an inferiority complex when it comes to Reed Richards, he still like has this begrudging respect for him. 
and understands like the kids are not part of whatever they have going on. So he's still doomed. He's still kind of a dick, but he never holds it like against them. And he's always willing to like, listen to them. Even like in the most recent uh, series that they have going on, he, he really respects the hell out of the fact that Valeria has no powers and she's just a, a, just a an intellectual powerhouse, you know, like he's like, all right, that's, that's where it's at. Fuck those cosmic powers, kid. You got it. Well, he, he's also, after all that, being so logical when trying to talk to Reed, you know, he says, uh, and while I concur that much of it's based on cir- circumstantial data, I do believe there's enough uh, to question uh, or enough question to warrant the uh, a closer scrutiny. You know, he's, he's being totally logical, right? There. Like a real scientist. The, the yeah. part that rings true about this is, at very least, that should be the piece that appeals to Reed Richards. Yeah, I mean, he's not even saying, like, let's do anything to her. Like, let's just observe. He straight up says, I, I don't want to dissect the child, Richards. I just want to observe her. And that's when Reed just goes full on, you know, breaking bad losing his religion style yeah like it's very breaking bad yeah (laughs) yeah and he spreads out like a sheet of paper and comes at victor and franklin like nobody's business and uh doom just looks him right in the face and he's like oh okay so you're deranged like that's it he's like oh you're you're a fucking bag of planters mixed nuts you fucking wacko and uh this is an intense scene so yeah, yeah, uh, Frank. I mean, frankly, yeah. Reed really like comes at Doom. He's he's laying him with some stretchy haymakers left and right, and uh, you know, even Doom gets a few licks in. And and for a, a rarity, we actually see Reed Richards bleeding from the hits that Doom lays on him, which mm-hmm. may be an indication of how much weaker Reed has been getting because of exposure to little Susie, and uh, you know. Doom finally throws the the doom blast at him from his, his gauntlets, and uh, Reed's just like, uh, "Run, little Susie! I can't protect you any longer." And she's just like, all of a sudden, just run, Daddy, and turns into like this big fucking parasitic demon-looking thing. Looks very much like it would come from the negative zone, and uh, she's she, fucking classic. This is my true form. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of course it is. Yes, I've also seen Howard the Duck. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and uh, she she's just like, yeah, so I did kill everybody because I've just been I've been sucking down their life energy like high C ecto cooler dickhead. And she finishes the job on Reed and uh, then turns to Franklin. And she's like, oh, don't worry. He was just the appetizer and uh, you're going to be the main course, big bro. And uh, Doom steps right in between Franklin and, and Susie. It's just Hell like, yeah. Run, Franklin. Run. And he does what he can to stop that thing from killing Franklin Richards. And he dies in the process. She drains the power from his armor and then drains the life from him. And from uh, Reed's lab screams through the chambers of the Baxter building that you know, to Franklin, Dr. Doom is dead and she is clearly coming at him now. And uh, she does her whole 
you know, alien skulking the, mm-hmm. the hallways thing and the brightly lit Baxter building for Franklin. And uh, she turns a corner and there's Franklin wearing a, a helmet with a, an energy pack and a gun attached to it. And he, you know, she's like, oh, really? You're just going to you're gonna shoot me with a pew pew and think that's OK? Like, I'm just <laughs> going to go down like that. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not planning on killing you with this. I just have to knock you off your feet and push you backwards. And she's like, wait, what? That portal behind me? No, it's the gateway to the negative zone. And uh, that's what he knocks her through. And he closes the door to it and then fries the controls. And when she turns around, there's a Nihilus in the negative zone asking what manner of creature she is. And... She just goes, oh, hmm, well, you look like food to me. (laughs) And we cut back to Franklin standing back in the Baxter building, now without a family, no friends, close friends left in the world. And uh, just thinking to himself, I was never jealous of, of my little sister. I was afraid of her. And I'm not glad about the fact that I was right and you were wrong. If you or anybody else had listened to me, Maybe things might have been different. And of course, Q Uatu the Watcher thing. If only things have been different. Yeah, we get it, Uatu. That's the whole point of the comic series. That's why we tuned in. So thank you for showing up <laughs> midway through this issue. And Franklin would go on to form my chemical romance. And now you know <laughs> the rest of the story. And you know, he he goes on to say, like, in you know, if only things had been different in your reality, they were. For there, young Susie was never born, but there are other worlds still. Worlds in which her life and the life of her elder brother took a far different course. Worlds such as the one that we are about to see now. And this one is part two of What If the Fantastic Four's Second Child Had Lived. And this time around, it's a much happier scene. Uh, Sue is in the hospital having had her daughter with no complications and they decide to name her Mary after Sue and Johnny's mother, Mary storm. And this particular instance, uh, Uatu does take the time to tell us that this is the scene as it should be. The birth of a child should be joyous and not tragic. Uh, but of course, what we know of reality in the Marvel universe is that she did not survive. And we have just witnessed a reality beforehand in which the birth resulted in the downfall of the Fantastic Four. But with this story, we're going to look at a very different reality concerning the same question, if the child had lived. And as we move along, we see, you know, them doting on her and setting her up at home. She's got a crib and a little mobile and what have you. And uh, as they're kind of looking at her, playing with her stuff, looking at the things floating above her head, all of a sudden, little Mary starts to kind of like float up towards the mobile herself to grab the toy that had her attention. And uh, Reed is just, whoa, what the? F- <laughs> this this is insane. How did our baby get powers? And it's like, bro, you, you and your wife got blasted by cosmic rays in space. Like, how did you not see this coming? I, I, don't, I don't get it. Uh, like his incredu- his incredulity is just like a little out of place, I think. Um, and-, and Sue Storm definitely looks like the mom from the Goldbergs here. 
Yeah, yes. I mean, it is the 80s, right? So <laughs> that stands to reason. Um, and I do like that that Reed is just kind of like, as Mary's floating, he's like, could you just kind of like get her down though, Sue? I just don't want her to bump her head on the ceiling. Like he goes from like 10 to 2, <laughs> like no time flat. And, um, you know, Sue actually does say to him, like, you know, we probably should have expected this. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, a normal life for her would have been nice. And it's like, how fucking normal did you expect her life to be? Even if she doesn't have powers, her mom still turns invisible. Her dad stretches her. One of her uncles is an orange rock with eyes and the other one can burst into flames and fly. Not to mention brain power Franklin over there. Like, (laughs) What part of that is normal to define his powers though, at this point too. So this is like, yeah, but I mean, even, even even, this wasn't before power pack though. I think, I think this was because power pack was the Louis Simonson era and all that. So that this might've been like right before that. Cause he's still pretty young here. Yeah. Cause he just has the dream powers here. I mean, like with Franklin, you get, you get stuff like days of future past, right. Where, you know, uh, Chris Claremont had him as like a reality warper. He's yet to get to that point. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Oh yeah. 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 Uncle Ben's rice. Yeah. Yeah, of course. (laughs) My God. It's um, it's so much fun to watch this stuff too. It's like in a lot of the parts that but like, like it's it's but the fact that it's not Uncle Ben's, it's Unka Ben's. Yeah, Unka. <laughs> Unka Ben. Um but yeah, like the fact that it just shows her playing with everyone, like really having like a pretty pretty happy life growing up with her family, her brother and and everything. And um, you know, she she just keeps uh doing her thing and she's like 14 or so walking down the street with her her uncles and a dog accidentally gets hit by a car and uh mary walks over the dog and and touches it and she's able to heal it and bring it back from the brink of death and uh ben and johnny are just like yeah okay we should probably go tell your dad about this right now and uh you know just kind of like let her kind of find her own place develop her powers and she she found that she could not just um ease the suffering of of animals and people but also um she could rejuvenate land she could she could heal the environment and um she decided to do as much with her powers to help people as possible and not as a superhero but by going to hospitals and helping to get people better from their, their illnesses. And it shows her at a hospital one night with a bunch of kids, probably in a cancer ward seemingly. Uh, And she's just like saying to herself, I'm so tired. How can I cure you all? And all of a sudden she, she starts sweating. She says, there has to be a way. And you see a whole bunch of light emanating from the top floor of the hospital where she's located with those kids. And, uh, you know, she faints and it turns out she was in a coma for a week after that point, but made the front page of the bugle. She cured everybody in the entire hospital that night when she did that. And it's the most she had ever stretched her abilities. Meanwhile, because of this being like a huge nationally published story, uh, there's quite a few individuals who seem like they may be involved in, you know, governmental processes saying this is a nightmare 
like you know it's bad enough that we have superheroes freaks who put on tights that jump around and beat up on each other but this brat this bleeding heart this is this is the person that's going to take us down this is a lot of money and a lot of control that we're going to lose because people are going to start to want to have equality and free this and free that and actual health care and they're like no we got to take care of this she's stepping out of line somebody better push her back into it or else and yeah, uh I, I mean look at all those people that would have been paying you know uh uh you know going bankrupt with the hospital bills you know lost yeah. all that money this exactly. this book is full of like social commentary and stuff like that it's a uh, I, I i would call it like a hippie fever dream sort of oh, thing yeah. it's it's kind of like that it's like but it's it's also like a good example of practicality of superpowers when you have something like this what would you do with it and that's what really makes it a kind of an yeah. interesting story I, I, and part of the reason why i think her approach to having any abilities let alone these these ones specifically is um she has greater aspirations than any other member of her family mm-hmm. because they essentially, I mean, aside from Reed's whole, I'm a scientist shtick and, and exploring new worlds and dimensions and new things. Uh, a lot of the time that they're going after stuff, they are just like most other superheroes going after the symptoms and not the disease itself. Whereas she is really trying to make an honest change that will last and make everybody's life better across the board. Um, and these folks that make their money off of the blood, sweat, and tears of people being under their thumb uh, do not like that. Not at all. And uh, so we we have uh, Uatu explain to us, you know, that over the next year or so after that point, she dedicates herself to a lot of... Um, social awareness in helping less fortunate people, sick, poor, um, environmental concerns. It's like uh, an oil spill or something. Yeah. She, and she has gone all over the world healing both people and the land that they live on. And it's just further enraging these same clandestine, you know, senators and politicians and corporate so-and-sos that, you know, are just, tearing out their own eyebrows over this whole thing and uh she's she's been she's an effective activist people trust her and they know that she's on the level and then like we get a weird enough cut to frank castle as the punisher which honestly feels really out of place in this comic um you know it's it's an excerpt from the Punisher War Journal as he's watching her on TV at a, a, a protest that she's she's leading. And he's just like, you know, I first saw this Richards kid a few years ago. Left wing nut, if you ask me. And he goes on to say, like, now she's calling for a massive march on Washington. Wants to gather everybody who's not getting their fair share. Poor minorities, harmless artists, environmentalists. She might be a dangerous influence. Might also be fun to watch her make the fat cat squirm. What? Okay, thank you for this brief interlude into absolute nonsense. Yeah. The attaboy, Frank. What an excellent piece of gibberish. I I feel like if this were now, maybe it would be Deadpool instead. You know? (laughs) 
It's but like, just like it more, makes just as I, much I, sense. I, I could understand it being like a mercenary. Like, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to get paid to like whack this chick or something. But Frank Castle, I don't think he None would necessarily. I, I don't <laughs> think he would be sitting there like left wing nut. Like, how dare she bring people together and fight against corrupt like influences? Like, no, that's exactly what Frank Castle would be like. All right. Yeah, just. You know, don't be violent and hurt people and you'll be fucking fine. Otherwise, I will whack you like that's it. You know what I mean? Like, so who would you guys replace this little cameo with? Like if it was someone else? I don't know who's a fucking who's a sociopathic mercenary. That's not Deadpool. You know, if if this were me and I was going to write it, I would probably put someone like Magneto in there because he's got a stake in the game. You know, something about like mutants and all that. I would put I would put Taskmaster in there. Okay, Taskmaster. Okay, you know, like this could be bad for business type of thing. Yeah, I, I just Kingpin. You know, and they do talk about him in the next panel, but it's like it, it could be anything. It's just like I felt like this was such a waste Bullseye. of opportunity. Bullseye. He's the one. He's the one that I put in there. Same color scheme, fucking super dangerous. And honestly, I think it would be better if he was sitting there. Like, I wonder when I'm gonna get the calls rolling in to kill her. Like that. I think that would be the way to go with that scene. I don't think Frank Castle just saying like, Oh, this kid's trying to make the world a better place. <laughs> what a fucking joke. I'm probably, I'm probably gonna have to take care of that. Like, what? well, don't you think, I, I mean, they mentioned Kingpin, but I don't think we even see Kingpin. We do not. No, I no. mean, that would have been a good spot for, you know, just the, uh, the evil behind the, uh, the, but I mean, with the cat, you know, just it could have been doom, you know, Dr. I mean, Claw. Yeah. next time. <laughs> exactly like it, it could have been anyway just like the fact that they picked punisher is probably just because he was the hot character but it was just like this is so weird yeah it's very it's just out of place i i guess but i mean i do like that they just mentioned kingpin honestly because I, oh yeah yeah, yeah. to Absolutely. have to have these same like fat cats as uh mr castle called them be the ones to mention it because they're the ones that we've seen worried about this since the onset of, of her public persona um, just goes to show their connections and how far reaching the concerns of these absolute like monsters go. Um, but then for them to say like, Oh, well we know who we can get to take care of this. And it cuts to the Avengers HQ and they're all sitting around the Avengers round table. And, you know, we have captain America, wonder man, Scarlet Witch, Vision, uh, Black Panther, Hercules, Hawkeye, Mockingbird, and She-Hulk. And Captain America is, you know, reading off the communique they received from, you know, these higher-ups in the government, which basically says, uh, any and all Avengers are hereby forbidden to participate or otherwise support the Unity Rally. Disregard of this order will result in loss of membership status and the lodging of criminal charges. So they're basically saying, hey, Avengers, if you don't want to lose your charter or membership, you can't do shit about Sokovia this. Accords, right? Yeah, exactly. essentially. But in this instance, Captain America is just kind of all like, he we should listen so to what... off on this. Yeah, book. like we should listen to what the government says, gang. Like, OK, Steve, what? why do we have vision just randomly in the middle of the table? This is the West Coast Avengers, <laughs> but not really. Because you've got Black Panther and She-Hulk on it and all that, where it's like, and Captain America, you're like, this doesn't make complete sense, like this team. So it's definitely a what-if team. 
Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I will say I like that he read that and Hawkeye immediately stood up and was like, uh, the last time I checked, the Constitution was still in effect, exactly. but apparently not for us. Yeah, I'm all set with being in a George Orwell Big Brother situation. Here's my fucking membership card. Deuces. And walks out. You know, he's just like straight up says, Uncle Sam can shove it. You coming, Mockingbird? And she's just like, anywhere you go. And and then uh, Simon Williams, Wonder Man, stands up and he's like, I must agree. Uh, my will is my own. And he throws down his card. And uh, Wanda stands up and says, yeah, you, they're not the only ones. And she, she actually has a, an even more solid point. Hell where she says, yes. After the way our government has treated mutant kind, I refuse to support this anymore. Count me out. Throws her card down. And as you had mentioned with Vision in the middle of the table, I think it's because he's walking through it, like he's phasing through to follow Wanda. And he's just like, I must concur with my wife's decision. I'm sorry, Captain. And, you know, makes his way out. He Actually, you can see he's dropping his membership card on the middle of the table as he phases through it. And then um, She-Hulk also makes an incredi- incredibly salient point when he comes to her and she says, Scarlet Witch was right. Mutants, women, everybody mm-hmm. gets stepped on. It's time we did something about it. And then we come to T'Challa, the Black Panther, who says, in my own country, I am a king. I understand the need for a government to maintain order. But in this country... I'm just another black man. And the order is not one I wish to be a part of. The Black Panther bids you farewell and revokes his membership. And laughs. He's always been cool. He has. <laughs> and uh, I actually thought this was like one of the coolest was Hercules was the last person there. And, and Steve turns to him and says, Hercules, you took an oath when you became an Avenger. I know honor means a great deal to you. And then Hercules turns to him and says, when in Rome, Steve, Rome fell too, you know, and then throws his guard down and Captain America is the last one standing. And, uh, you know, now we got Henry Gyrick, everybody's oh, favorite. Oh, I knew him when I saw his damn face. I knew that was Henry Peter The Gyrick. second you saw the back of his head, you didn't yep. even need to see anything else. The back when of you've his head, read enough like, oh. X-Men and X-Factor like I have, I'm like, is that Henry Peter Gyrick? This Are we going to see Sentinels? Like, He's like the fucking team rocket of X-Men, man. He is just bad fucking Blasting news. off again. You know? And, uh, you know, Gyrick shows up and they're like, uh, well, you know, you know why you're here? And he's like, yeah, yeah. You want me to fucking take care of the Richards girl? I got it. And, you know, they're just like, you, you, you know, you can take care of this. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm just the dude. Don't you worry your pretty little head about it. And, and, and that could have been Bullseye, actually. Like, it's you're so right. You know? Yeah, I'm telling you, it should have been Bullseye. And, you know, it cuts to the rally uh, out on the mall in Washington. And uh, there's a lot of fucking people there. And um, Mary's giving quite an impassioned speech, uh, which is making a, a lot of reference to Abraham Lincoln and the uh, the Gettysburg Address that he gave. Um in which he he called America a nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And as she's continuing on, uh, all of a sudden, she she's approached by, of all people, Captain America, or so it seems. And uh, yeah, he just pulls out a fucking like 12-inch knife. Yeah, it's like, like a, a buoy. 
it's like a stiletto or something weird. Yeah, like an ice pick. Yeah. And just like, I don't know if you say he shivs her with a shank or shanks her with a shiv, but boy, oh boy, does it go through her abdomen. Literally and, knocks her sock off. Yeah, and uh, friggin' Ben grabs Captain America's hand and all you see at onomatopoeia down the panels, crackle like he just like he did to Doctor Doom. Yeah, every friggin' bone in that dude's hand and, and forearm, and uh, you know he's just like you're a dead man, and you know Captain America reaches for the microphone. And he's just like, people, listen to me. I did what I had to do to save America, and the FBI is arresting him, telling his you know they're Mirandizing him. And uh, he's telling everyone, like, this movement's going to destroy our way of life, and these people have to be suppressed. And then a bunch of people in, you know, the, with beer bellies and flannel shirts start. Jack Kirby shows up. Yeah, Jack Kirby shows up, <laughs> sans cigar, and starts yeah. trying to punch so, Iron Man in his metal face. So, so just to pause for a second, you know, looking at the commentary that's happening here, this, you know, even this is, what, in the 60s? This could easily be today. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you people are part of the problem. Hey, we're all on the same side, right? You ain't on my side. You ain't no real American. Tony Stark's like, good Lord. The entire I'm, rally is breaking down into a riot. If, you know, if you were to show somebody just this one panel, they might think, hey, it's the January 6th, you know, instruction. Yeah. very right. Yeah. Precisely. And, uh, you know, with all that turmoil that's now going on instead of the peaceful rally that was occurring, uh, you know, they're all up there with Mary, who's like bleeding out in front of the Lincoln Memorial. And, uh, you know, Sue's just like, he murdered my baby. And Mary is actually like a fucking cucumber as in cool as a, and she's like, <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Mom, <laughs> you made me a little tougher than that. Just give me a little room. I'm and, feeling uh, better. <laughs> I'm I feel getting, I'm happy. Getting, I'm getting better. <laughs> and uh, you can't expect to extreme to uh, I think I'm going ex- for a walk. Extreme <laughs> executive power just because some watery tot gave you a sword. Uh, and, hey, what about the scimitar? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening to that today too, actually. So. She, uh, she, and that's uh, that's Monty Python and the Holy Grail for anybody that's like, what the fuck is happening right now? Surprised um, it didn't come up when he you said suppressed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm being suppressed. Help! Help! I'm being suppressed. <laughs> but, uh, She's a witch. Oh, sorry, wrong part. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mary, Mary makes her way to her feet while still bleeding profusely from her torso and she's just like i've got to stop everyone from killing each other and uh she's just like starts floating up into the air and uses every iota of willpower she has and just throws those like healing waves all over the entire crowd everybody that's there and instantly stops the fighting but then she she just doesn't have anything left and she's all the way up and starts to fall. And Johnny just flames on catches her and rushes her right to the hospital. And I just love the doctor's reaction right away. Nothing else. You, you haven't seen them talk to a doctor. Just the first doctor they see is all he says is good God. Why isn't this woman dead? Sorry to disappoint you doc. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. She's made of tougher stuff. She told her mom that. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you know, he, he jumps right on it though. You know, clear, clear the OR and line up blood donors. Like this is going to be messy. And it says much later, you know, she's been in and out of a coma for two weeks. And uh, the doctors told him it was touch and go, but she's, she's out of danger. And uh, she asks what happened at the rally and to all the people that were there and they bring it to the window. Ben lifts her up and carries her and they say, see for yourself. When the rally ended peacefully, a lot of them came to the hospital and they've been holding a vigil and the rest of them went to the white house and are demanding the president and his cronies come out and they're just sitting there like, Oh God, like how do how do we how do we take care of this? Just do something. And the president, you know, the president's like, how many millions would you have would we have to put against the wall? Don't you understand yet? It's not just them, it's the whole country. There's too many of them. It's too big even for us. It's all over, all over. And uh that's when Uatu says, you know, it was the end and the beginning. In this reality, Mary Richards recovered and led the movement that shaped a new United States of America. There was a new order and a new leadership, one truly of the people, by the people, and for the people. The old was swept away, heralding in an unprecedented era of peace. I am the watcher, and all these tales have I witnessed, even the fragments unseen by others. And that's when we get a fun little epilogue uh, that shows Henry Gyrick in his dank little office somewhere, and, uh, you know, kind of lamenting, like, what the hell, like, you know, I, I, I had everything planned to the last detail and I drove that knife right through her because somehow that was Henry Gyrick that was dressed up as yeah. Captain America. That That's the part for me that it's like they didn't think this part through and they probably threw the epilogue in here because they're like, oh, wait, we probably should explain that that wasn't really Captain America or something. They could yeah. have done any number of things with like mind control or anything else. Something. But it's just like this was just like the weakest link in this story. And, and it's, it's the one part that it's like, I think it falls kind of short. I will say, you know, when Captain America slams open the door and Henry Gyrick's like, who's there? Nobody's got clearance. I'll have your head on a platter. And Captain America, like, flicks the light on and he yeah. just does it so hard that the entire light switch just completely shatters off the wall. I'm like, oh, that's that's actually that was a nice touch. I, I dig that. You don't see that too often. And uh, Henry Gyrick just immediately like, oh, God. Oh, no, no, no. And Captain America with red eyes, red yeah. glowing eyes goes, don't bother getting up. And, and, and uh, Gyrix's hand uh, hand there doesn't seem to be any worse for wear. No, it does not. It does. Well, hold on. That's that's his left hand. Mm-hmm. It was his right hand that was broken. Yeah, but um, he does not appear to be in any pain is what I'm saying. Like there's well, no I'm, uh, evidence he's, that he's, he's wearing. He's wearing a cast and it's all wrapped oh, up. Oh, OK. There it is. Panel. Yeah, thank it's you for pointing that out. Because I missed that because of the well, it's it's a dark office. I get it. <laughs> you can't see much until Captain America turns the light on and breaks the switch. But uh, yeah, I I think they might be trying to allude to Captain America maybe somehow being possessed by the same kind of entity that we saw the baby possessed by in the first story at the beginning, like the yeah, red eyes. I, maybe. I got that as well. That's what I've always figured. I never really delved into it. I, I kind of stuck with my own assumptions and headcanon on that. I, but, I was uh, thinking through this whole thing that instead of that actually being Gyrick, I thought they were, they were going to get someone else like um, like like Bullseye. But I actually was thinking it might be Nuke 
you know, you remember Nuke from uh, yeah. Daredevil? And I was like, oh, maybe they got him. But so uh, my headcanon was going in a different area. I didn't get that last take until you guys just said that. So that is kind of interesting with the red eyes. That's uh, that's something that I've thought ever since the first time I, I read this. And, and that was probably just, you know, based on a, a, a young kid seeing red eyes. And the only other time he saw red eyes in the entire book was the little kid in the first story. So, yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty cool. That's a good takeaway. Yeah, yeah, not bad. I've, I mean, good job, 10-year-old Brandon. You finally <laughs> had an insight that people agree with. Now, you had mentioned earlier about, um, uh, I call her Valeria. So you, you said Valeria, I call her Valeria. But um, she does have uh, uh, origin in the 616, as they call it, where she was actually born and taken to the future, where uh, she, was, she was actually um, brought by Dr. Doom. Okay. So uh, let's see. Uh, Valeria Richards' intellect makes quantum leaps such as it leads her to grow up and become Marvel Girl. She's originally from Earth 616 and thought dead. She was brought back by her grieving mother's time travel abilities and sent to an alternative future where she grows up under the tutelage of her father's greatest foe, Victor Von Doom. Um, hmm. Let's see. So she, uh, Valeria Megan Richards, is the second child of Reed Richards, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic, and Susan Storm Richards. Uh, and she was conceived in the negative zone and just before her birth she begins to emit bursts of deadly radiation that threaten both her mother and her child so that is actually canon so that's that's hmm. in there so um they, they said that she does have some sort of like intellect issues but she has like plot armor where she figured out how to make invisibility stuff and i mean she's she's a player man like when when you get into like like stuff she's even uh front and center in books like uh secret war where um oh yeah uh, dr doom is holding reality together with his sheer willpower badass and and i mean she's there she is ever present and just um, she has been since uh, yeah. a good couple of years when she when she came out in the Fantastic Four run, which uh, may have also been Mark Wade. I don't know, but um, pretty, pretty cool stuff. And uh, yeah, just one uh, other thing I want to mention about that first story, Jim Valentino. Right. So Shadowhawk uh, Image Comics, Jim Valentino scripted that first story. That was pretty interesting. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely art. <laughs> you know, like, well, that, you know, is... it, it, it was dark, but I love how they gave you two stories. You know, you had one dark, mm. one light, you know, definitely showing the, the best of both worlds. Or, yeah, I mean, the balance between the two in, in ending it on the more hopeful one was the way to go for sure. Yeah. Very um, satisfying it, read. Yeah, I, I thought so. And, and so, um, <laughs> very good <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's just something that i i wanted to to do because you know after like i said last week just bleh, the last episode was just not great uh, i mean the episode was great the fucking issue was terrible i could still um, see it when and, i close my eyes <laughs> <laughs> always and forever i actually saw that they were selling that particular issue at uh oh, yeah I don't. Sizes. I don't want to own that issue at all. Like you I don't know how care much how it was much selling for. You know how, how much it was selling for? Four hundred bucks. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that is about ninety nine dollars more than I'd be willing to spend on that comic. It is gross. 
Did they have um, any um, any other good uh, uh, books there that you saw? Like anything else? Maybe What If or? I didn't go check through uh, any of the bins or anything because I actually have like pretty much all the what ifs that I that I want. Like I don't really care about volume one. Uh, it's volume two stuff that I I was always into. Um, but I did get a couple of uh, statues that I, I had been keeping my eyes nice. peeled for. Yeah, I got the uh, Kotobukiya Artifacts Jonathan Kent with Crypto and the Kotobukiya Artifacts uh damien with ace the bat hound neat so yeah i was i was pretty happy and they were like reasonably priced so i was like nice you know i just gotta get a batman to go along with it because i have like the rebirth superman that they had which has like the best superman suit i've ever friggin seen in the comic books where he doesn't have like red boots and shit it's just got like the little red above it and it's like blue all the way down i love that fucking costume um but yeah like it I didn't I didn't delve into too much what they had on back issues because uh, you know I I mean once again I just don't have space to kind of pile on to what I already have and uh especially considering like all the stuff with recently having to clear out my my mother's old house I now have like stuff all over my dining room that I'm like <laughs> I can't even I I, I don't even like go grocery shopping and fit food in this place at this point <laughs> like this is bad wow I show up with comic books. And my wife would be like, "I mean, I love you, but, but why? <laughs> like, don't don't you have comics already?" I'm like, "You you and I both know the answer to that question <laughs> and what that means. Come on, lady." But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to touch upon something with the Fantastic Four too, because there's been a right now, currently, uh, a lot of um, talk about the Fantastic Four because of what could potentially be happening with the Marvel cinematic universe in the very near future uh, casting and, and what have you. And, um, you know, I think it's important to kind of touch upon some of the things that we may not necessarily be planning on for, for the fantastic four when they show up in the MCU for all we know, they could already have kids. Like we might not get a full blown, you know, going into space, cosmic ray bombardment origin. We, we might get, that as a bit of a backstory flashback thing and they've already been living off somewhere kind of doing their own thing like they did after um secret wars before they restarted the new fantastic four comic again you know we they might have you know teenage kids by the time we see them again and they're gonna come back and establish themselves as the fantastic four i don't know you know there's there's any number of things that could happen but um you know, it's just I think it's always fun when we're speculating to look at at these what ifs and say like, oh, there's there's any number of myriad possibilities and potentials that they could touch upon and pull from different stuff. I mean, this for crying out loud, like what if the Fantastic Four is second child that lived? The description you just gave of uh, Valeria Richards is. I mean, she's here, so yep. they were somewhat prescient. When it came to this character, they eventually did bring her into the Marvel Universe proper because, you know, there was a character that they figured was worth exploring and having be part of the Richards family. And from what I've read so far of the current Fantastic Four series, it was the right move because Franklin is a far more interesting character to have his sister to like 
bounce off of and be a kid with him in like the world's most famous superhero family. You know, it, it makes a big difference. Um, but yeah, like what a, what a fun look on two sides of a character that didn't really exist at that point in time, how they didn't come close to the name that they settled on <laughs> in the real stories. Um, I think Doom's always cool, though. Stories, I mean, oh, like, always. You rarely see Doom, and it's not like I, I really like that series, Doom 2099. And, and that's not actually Doom. It's like something else, but it's still pretty cool. So it's like it's thought, it's, hard it's to not really mess him it's up. not Victor it's not Victor Von Doom in that. It's it's not like the six one six Doom. So it's oh, not yeah, like, yeah, like that. So it's like it's different. So it's like and, and oh man, you want to talk about someone who's got some interesting uh, else worlds and and what ifs and all that. I mean, there's like six or seven different se- series like like that about Doom. But I was just glad to see him. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, like an old how friend. Do you do, <laughs> how do you how do you do a, a big story like that with it, without involving him at least one of those two stories? You know, he um, comes in and totally steals the scene and all that, and he's like, "Run!" You know, shooting lasers out of his fingers and shit. And I'm like, "Man, this is great. This is why I collect yeah. those cards and read those <laughs> comics and action figures and shit." Like, I I love it. Yeah, I mean, it it, it was just it was just really cool to see him come in too and actually be the scientist that Reed always prided himself on being and the sort of role reversal at the end where Reed was the kind of unhinged one and Victor was the one that was like seeing reason like you're out of control man you you have to think about this clearly and that is that is certainly what he hoped for but not how it went down yeah yeah exactly and, and I mean, with with any what if, there's like these convenient things that like move the plot along. It's like, oh, and and with that, Doom lives no more. And I was like, oh, well, probably not, but okay, yeah. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. Like, yeah, okay. I'm, like, uh, I'm picking up what you're throwing down. What like, if I got like, you? Okay, you know, it's like, <laughs> pat him on the shoulder. It's like, all, all right, you know, we'll let you tell your story, but you know, probably not. Yeah, outstanding. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's um, good yeah, issue, so, man. I'm glad glad we got to read it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, me too. Especially after the fucking last go round. <laughs> um, we all earned it. We all earned it. Uh, but yeah, so like I said, this was uh, "What If the Fantastic Four: Second Child Had Lived." It's Volume Two, Number Thirty of "What If," um, and uh, you know, I I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, my name is Brandon Powers, aka Powerful Brandon, aka Powers. Uh, if you want to, you know, come check out uh, the uh, Powers Combined Facebook group. Uh, we are just a group of dorks that get together and share memes and info and have a good time. Our number one rule is don't be a jerk. If you violate that, you will be booted out immediately. You can follow me on social media on Twitter at Brandon's Powers and Instagram at this Brandon has powers. Uh, you'll find me here bi-weekly in Comics Paradox, as well as on The Dork Night with these two gentlemen as well, uh, where we cover all things Batman. And uh, you will find me weekly on the Wednesday Night Dorkening Podcast Network show at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and uh, I'm going to hand you off to Leo, who's going to give you all his bona fides. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true. Could be not. But more importantly, check out these awesome dudes here. And I run a little thing called the Dorkening Podcast Network, uh, where we have a ton of people doing some awesome stuff. 
And uh, yeah, that's about it for me, Justin. I really need to come up with a spiel like Leo has. You know, it's just so well and rehearsed and all that. I'd be like, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. Don't forget to check me out on, uh, you know, this plate, you know, so. But uh, yeah, you know, um, if if you want to uh, talk Ninja Turtles, anything like that, come on over to the Epic Shells uh, Facebook group. You can check us out on the Dork Night where we're talking about Batman. You know, send us a message. You know, you can do that. You can send it over to us uh, via Facebook Messenger and all that if you want. But um, you can also check me out, Epic Tales from the Sewers, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast. Wonderful. All right. Well, I, that'll just about do it for us, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Thank you very much. Have a good Bye. Night. Bye.